This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many of the New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash sword. That's audiblepodcast.com slash sword. Uh, I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm so out of sorts right now, I really literally forgot what I was supposed to say after Welcome to Sword and Laser. It took me a second. <laughs> you are having quite the day. I am. Well, I just kind of, I so for listeners out there, I totally forgot I had to record the podcast today. So I was like shopping in Whole Foods, like planning dinner. And Tom texts me and like, hey, by the way, we recording tonight. <laughs> Well, so, no, the best part is you're like, I forgot what day it was. I totally forgot what day it is. It's been that kind of month. So I apologize if I'm out of swords, but I'm home now and I've got a beer and I'm feeling good and I'm ready to do. I am jealous of your beer. Podcast. That looks like a good beer. It is. I'm drinking a Napa Smith Brewery wheat beer um, hmm. and it's been in my fridge for like a year. <laughs> oh, geez. It's not skunky, is so, it? No, it tastes fine. I'm good. Um, actually, I think it's been in my fridge since 4th of July. Um, and it tastes fine, so I'm, well I'm happy. Yeah. What about you? I'm having tea because South by Southwest is this weekend, so I'm like saving up my liver. Oh yeah. Hey, we should uh, mention to listeners out there if you are going to be at South by Southwest, we are too. Um, kind of in sword and laser capacity. We're at yeah. least for for one evening going to be at the uh, Diamond Club TV party, which is where uh, usually, typically, we'll be streaming sword and laser. Uh, not tonight because I lost track of all time and space. Um, but she means we'll be streaming the show on Diamond Club TV, not at the party. Not at the party. At the party, we'll be partying. We'll be partying with you guys which will be awesome. That is going to be uh, Saturday night at 3 p.m. Austin time, uh, going until 5. And the location of that is Handlebar on 5th and Brazos uh, in Austin, Texas. So we hope you'll be able to join us at a Saturday, March 8th. You, you did Brazos pretty well. Nicely Brazos. Done. Yeah. Brazos. Uh, well, no, you don't, you don't Spanishify it. Oh, you in don't? Austin. You do Brazos? You Brazos. Brazos. Yeah. Uh, San Jack, San Jacinto, Guadalupe. Really? Oh, yeah. That's the Austin way. Okay. Okay. Manchac. I will throw all of my eight years of Spanish out the window. <laughs> Only when doing street names. Though. Okay. <laughs> like, if you're actually speaking Spanish, it's different. But street names, yeah. It's even, like Houston, Even Houston. people who speak Spanish, I've heard, say Guadalupe. And I'm like, really? Wow. Well, okay. I guess if it's the accepted pronunciation there, then that's, that's the reason enough. The thing. Oh, by the way, I'm drinking Yorkshire gold tea, if anybody was curious. Yorkshire I don't know. Yorkshire gold tea. Sounds fancy. It's good. It's a... Solid tea, very North North England Yorkshireman. Actually, you know the Downton Abbey uh, Lord Grantham is is in York. Oh, Yorkshire. Yeah, 
I don't know if you drank this tea or not. Don't. I don't either. But this is a uh, science fiction and fantasy book club and podcast, by the way. If you are just joining us for the very first time, uh, sorry for a little bit of a uh, you know diversion there at the beginning. That's just kind of how we roll. We're we're totally casual. Um, but yeah, this is uh, we're going to do our kickoff episode this week of um, Altered Carbon by Richard K. Morgan. Um, last week we wrapped up, or the week before we wrapped up uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, The Wizard of Versi, A Wizard of Versi. Um, and you guys were kind of polarized polarized on that book, and I'm wondering how this book is going to fare. I've already been really impressed by the amount of discussion happening over in the forums on Goodreads, so I think this is going to be a good one to talk about. Sounds good to me. Let's get right into the news. Yes, the quick burns. So uh, the Word Zone, hilariously, Adam Whitehead uh, was starting to write about Jonathan Ross. He's a talk show host in the UK, the, probably the most popular talk show host mm-hmm. in the UK, getting selected to be the Master of Ceremonies for the Hugo Award Ceremony at LundCon this year. And before he was done writing the post, Jonathan Ross had withdrawn oh, no. from consideration because so many people from so many different parts of the genre were upset. And the reason they were upset is Ross is a comedian. He is a geek. He col- he does collectibles. He's into sci-fi and fantasy. So I get why he would be someone, you know, bringing in a name. Mm-hmm. But he is also known for being sexist, for being controversial, uh, sometimes being insensitive, or at least he's accused of all those things. Mm-hmm. And as we know, sci-fi and fantasy world has been going through a lot of discussions about insensitivity and there's, sexism and there's racism. There's a little sensitivity training going on in the SFF world uh, of late. So sure. without... You know, you, whatever you think of Jonathan Ross, whether you think he's hilarious and don't understand why people get offended or whether you think he's just abhorrent, the fact of the matter is having somebody that even has those questions surrounding them, probably not the best choice this year. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're, it sounds like they're playing it a little safe. Um, so I guess we, we don't know who yet is going to replace him as Master of Ceremony. So I guess we'll report on that when we have more information. Yeah. Did you uh, vote it, yet? Did you vote for the Hugos? Uh, I haven't. I've 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 gotten part way i haven't saved my ballot I oh it saves it automatically so even well, no, if you've you, only done parts of it it's yeah but i haven't finished those. i guess i yeah I, I guess you're right my the parts i voted are submitted Fantastic. but i haven't finished voting all of them i i i mean i haven't read many novellas this year and so i i could only vote in a few categories yeah um but i'm happy with my choices so hopefully i'll see some of my choices win i'm kind of excited for that actually have um, you heard about s I have. Horst and J.J. Abrams. I have it. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. You know, it reminds me of, gosh, I'm I'm blanking on on the book. Uh, We just got a letter from the author, too, recently. Tom, help me. He he wrote a similar story where all the little artifacts came in the book. And so you had all the little little clues to the mystery. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. You do? Okay. <laughs> At least I'm not totally crazy. And I feel bad looking, because I think he listens to the show, too. I'm actually looking for the book on my shelf. And now I feel happening. like a shithead. Um, <laughs> I don't usually swear on this show, but I feel particularly bad. Anyway, uh, yes, S is uh, by Doug Doris and J.J. Abrams. And so, as they say on io9, it, it's not just a book. It's a mystery artifact full of weird clues and strange documents. And it's kind of like... A book onion, as they say. Um, so you keep unraveling these layers of the mystery. And um, so you can read some of that over on io9 and over. Um, there's a lost chapter that you can read. That's the news. If anybody's like, well, S came out, you know, end of last year. Uh, there's a lost chapter that's been blogged. It's blogged. And it looks like 
Czech maybe or something, mm. but it, there's a translation as well. And it's an alternate bit of the book. Mm, okay. Well, all right. So you do, you do the next story. I'm going to look through our emails and find <laughs> the name of the, the fantastic author who wrote to us recently to tell us uh, so I can talk about his book because now I feel bad. Sure. I'm really excited uh, about this. io9 has a, a, a quick post about it. Houghton Mifflin's famous Best American series. Probably a lot of you have heard about it. It, it tries to take the best fiction and essays of the year and bring them together in one volume. It's It's always a good read. It always brings you some people you'd never heard of who are amazing if you're just into general short stories. And now they're starting up a Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy series for 2015. Uh, Award-winning editor John Joseph Adams uh, will be overseeing it. And Mm -hmm. they always have guest editors for these. In 2015, the first guest editor will be Joe Hill. Fantastic. I did not have enough time to find the uh, the name, and I feel terrible, and it's going to kill me later. So we'll talk about it on the next episode, because um, I'm sure some of you guys out there will write to us being like, it's exactly this. I know the thing you were talking about. You've talked about it on the show before. Um, and then I'll feel better. Hey, but the Nebulas are also happening. We have the Nebula finalists up on SF Signal, uh, post by John DiNardo. Um, so for best novel, we have uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, of course, by Neil Gaiman. We have We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves by Karen Joy Fowler. Uh, Fire with Fire by Charles E. Gannon. Hilled by Nicola Griffith. Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Um, Linda Nagata with The Red First Light. Uh, A Stranger in Olondria by Sophia Samatar and The Gollum and The Ginny by Helene Wecker. Those are all the best novels. Um, And you can see the full list, including Best Novella, Best Novelette, Best Short Story, and of course, the Ray Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation, which includes Doctor Who, The Day of the Doctor. Personal Effects Dark Art. Oh, how did you find that? I just went to J.C. Hutchins' website. Thank God oh, it was J.C. Hutchins. Because I, I kept I'm looking sorry. for the spine, and I didn't want to get it right. And I was like, I remember dark, but there we go. Yes. Sorry, J.C., <laughs> that it took us so long to remember the name of but Personal Effects it. Dark Art. He's got lots of other books out since then. <clears throat> the 33, Seventh Son series. Uh, so there you go. That's good. We finally, you can stop your email. Oh, you already sent it. Too late. Oh, oh well. Uh, but yes, now I am back with you on Nebula Awards and... Wow, I don't know. I don't get to vote for the Nebula Awards, but mm. Ancillary Justice is the one I, I and I haven't read all of these either. But Ocean at the End of the Lane, I mean, ugh, did that's I not tough. say that Ancillary Justice was going to be up for everything this it, year? You were totally right about that. I mean, it it is. It's one of those things where when you read it, sometimes you feel like, well, I like this, but some other mm. people don't, and you don't really know how widely acclaimed something is going to be. Right. Um, we also have the finalists for the 2013 Orialis Awards. Or Re- oh, did I say it right? I think so. It's an Australian thing. So you got to gotta say it with an Australian accent, Veronica. I can't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I felt you try in your brain. <laughs> you, know, you know what happened when I was thinking about it? Fosters. I went, that's not a knife. <laughs> that's that's not how I tried to teach award. myself how to speak. And every Australian, Australian just sighed and, and rolled their went, eyes at us. At least um, she didn't do the shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> Thank God for that. So how does this work, Australians? Explain this to us. Lexicon by Max Berry is nominated for Best Science Fiction Novel and Best Fantasy Novel. Mm, mm. Got a better chance of winning. Hmm. 
That's true. Uh, yeah, so these are all, of course, um, science fiction fantasy written by Australian authors, um, which I think is fantastic. And I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those. Darn it. You heard a Skype sound. Sorry, guys. I didn't hear anything. Well, they'll hear it because I'm recording Skype. But anyway, um, that's that's cool. I do, I, maybe it's just one of those books that can go both ways. You know? I guess it, it, well, I guess it must be, it or it wouldn't be. have gotten in there. But usually, these sorts of things, I would assume they would disallow that and say, "Well, you got to you got to pick which category you're nominated." You got to be a genre, yeah, a certain genre. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe those Australians are just a little more free willing. They are. They are. They're okay with, with whatever. They'll, they'll, they're they'll... with their stereotype Australian things. Insert here. Oh, I'm because so many people are going to yell at me. <laughs> Truck Song by Andrew McRae, A Wrong Turn at the Office of Unmade List by Jane Rawson, True Path by Graham Stores, and Rupetta by N.A. Solway are the science fiction novels, along with Max Berry Lexicon, who's also in Best Fantasy, with A Crucible of Souls by Mitchell Hogan, These Broken Stars by somebody who, like, I am Arnie Kaufman and Megan Spooner. <laughs> Amy Kaufman, sorry. Good try. Sorry, Amy. And then Newt's Emerald by Garth Nix and Ink Black Magic by Tansy Rayner Roberts. I was trying to read them off the images, and the Amy Kaufman one was Mm -hmm. way too small for my eyes. Gotcha, because you're your old man eyes. (laughs) Old Old man man Tom Merritt. I can't see these books. Oh, that's good. Did you learn (laughs) how to do old man voice from Scott Johnson? No, I just got old. Oh, okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Natural. Let's uh, let's jump into the calendar. Uh, Coming out on March 4th, we have Words of Radiance, a Stormlight Archive book two by Brandon Sanderson, who is currently on tour right now for that very book. Um, So he may be in a town near you. Who's who's to say? Keep an eye out. He'll just pop up right next to you right now. Yeah, we almost had him on the show, but the timing didn't quite work out, unfortunately. He's a busy guy. Um, We also have Immortal Muse by Stephen Lee, Night Broken, a Mercy Thompson novel by Patricia Briggs, Murder of Crows, a novel of the others by Anne Bishop Honor Among Thieves Star Wars Empire and Rebellion by James S.A. Corey <whistles> Night of the Hunter Companions Codex 1 by R.A. Salvatore <laughs> The Tropic of Serpents a memoir by Lady Trent and Natural History of Dragons by Marie Brennan <laughs> We also have uh, Black Moon a novel by Kenneth Calhoun Notes from the Internet Apocalypse by Wayne Gladstone and The Walking Dead, The Fall of the Governor, Part 2 by Robert Kirkman. Wow, lots of stuff coming out today. Uh, next week, March 11th, The High Druid's Blade, The Defenders of Shannara by Derry Brooks. Derry Brooks? Did you just Terry say- Brooks. Terry. Terry. Terry Brooks. Terry Brooks. The Adjacent by Christopher Priest. Working God's Mischief, part of the Instrumentalities of the Night series by Glenn Cook, and The Raven's Shadow by Elspeth Cooper. And then a couple days later, on March 13th, just to be different, Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert says we'll have our own day to release Mentats of Dune from the Great Schools of Dune series. So there. All right. Very cool. Their own day. I like it. And if you want to pick up tons more books, uh, we should take a moment to thank our sponsor, Audible.com. They, of course, are offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just head over to audiblepodcast.com slash sword and choose from over 150,000 downloadable titles. I did it right! Yay! 150,000 downloadable titles. 150,000 download titles. Wow. I'm listening to Hounded by Kevin Hearn, which I had started back in January, and then I got interrupted by uh, Wizard of Earthsea, and I was finishing Ian Tregellis. Uh, necessary evil so now i'm back full bore with oberon and everybody and i'm absolutely loving it but that's just an example of one audiobook you can get for free 
right now if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash sword. Yes, I am in fact listening to Hexed, the seventh. The oh second yeah, you're book already moved. Uh, yeah, you've moved along. In the Iron Druid Chronicles, so I'm 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 I've won up to you a little bit, but yeah, that Kevin Hearn must have rubbed off on us a little bit when he was in for Sword and Laser, the video show. You know how he brought the Tullamore Dew. That won't that that'll win us over any day. Yeah, I mean that was it. We were done right there. But then I started reading Hounded, and there's the widow who drinks the Tullamore Dew in the yeah. morning on her porch. I'm like. Is he calling us old ladies? Well, now all the inside, yeah, the uh, uh, now all the inside jokes that we made uh, for, from viewers, uh, on, right, during right, the they all make sense. sense. The chicken exactly. apple sausages and all that good stuff. Um, so it, it's been a fun time. But yeah, that's audiblepodcast.com slash sword. Pick a free audiobook download of your choice. Get started today, or pass along the link to someone who you think may enjoy listening to audiobooks. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Let's move on to TV, movies, and video games. Derek Colanduno, who we have to continuously thank uh, him and Swoopy for making us a part of Dragon Con years ago. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite things to do, and it still is thanks to them. He sent us this article uh, from a cellist named, well, who calls herself Sarian Saint. Uh, and I think, uh, oh, wait, is it Sarian Saint's doing the blog? And then she's talking about a cellist named Laura who sent an open letter to HBO saying, look, your cello is synthesized on the Game of Thrones. MIDI cello, yeah. Yeah. What the hell is that about? You have this great theme song and then you use a MIDI cello? Come on. So she actually hired a cellist uh, to to play the theme. Where did, where did she get him from? Somewhere in Europe. Paid him $236, which is scale. Mm-hmm. And then, and then had him record an actual version of the theme that wasn't MIDI. Yeah. It sounds great. I kind of like the first one. Well, maybe you're just emotionally attached to the first one. Maybe I'm, I'm musically immature. No, yeah, I think that that's too. what it is. Uh, oh, it, it's Ruben Codelli, an Albanian cellist. Ooh. Who she got to uh, to actually record it? It's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, there's something where I'm. I think if I would have gotten used to a real cello at the beginning, I would definitely prefer that one. Mm-hmm. But now I'm kind of attached to the MIDI. I don't know why. It doesn't make okay. any sense though. It, it, well, I mean, it makes sense because you got attached to it. That's like the why it makes sense because it was the first version you heard, and now you're used to it, and it's in your head that way, and so anything different kind of sounds off. By the way, I made a total hash of the attribution on this. Laura St. John does the Saurian Saint blog and wrote the article and the open letter to HBO and hired the cellist. So there you go. Laura St. John, I do not believe, is a cellist. Okay, just a fan. She is a violinist. Ah. And the owner of the Ancalagon record label. Gotcha. Now, I haven't had a chance to watch this yet because my day fell apart <gasps> in front of my eyes. Um, oh, my God. But there's a, a fan trailer for season four of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. This has been kicking around for a week, too. Uh, oh, I'm bad at it's, life. They, this person took all of the trailer material that has been released so far mm-hmm. and then put it to the music of Everybody Wants to Rule the World as done by Lord. Oh, cool. So it's a cover. And it's just powerful like it's not like the trailers that have been released have been bad it's just a really good idea mm-hmm. because it just flows and the and whoever edited this did a great job with it gotcha oh hey by the way um i will put the um the cello version at the end of the show Ooh, nice very um, good so you guys can can listen to it hopefully i remember to do that i should i should remember <laughs> if she doesn't remember 
just give her loads of crap on so the much crap. So much be crap. So much crap. Be nice. She's had a hard no, day. Don't be nice. I don't. I don't <laughs> deserve your nice. No, give her crap. Now, this is something that has been uh, well within my my range of vision uh, this past week. Uh, NBC's Heroes is coming back. The yeah, this Entertainment Weekly article about it too is pointing out that. This is becoming a thing on television where they're like, oh, we'll bring back 24 for a limited series mm-hmm. and American Gladiators and Murder, She Wrote. And- well, this, yeah, this is interesting because it, it's titled Heroes Reborn and it's a standalone story. So it's going to be different characters or at least, you know, it might have some guests. It may have some like, original yeah, cast. Yeah. Some people hop, popping in. But for the most part, it's going to be an original story, not a continuation of the previous tale. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious how this is going to work out because... Heroes was so good when it started and then it kind of tapered off and people kind of got sick of it and didn't like the direction it was going in. So I'm wondering if they learned from some of the mistakes they made, because I think the issue, the main issue for me at least was everyone loves a good origin story. And so the best part about watching Heroes was getting the origin story of all of these characters. And then once they were kind of done with that, then everyone was like, it's not, it's not really holding up for me anymore. Did you, did you ever feel that way? You know, I stuck with it because I wanted it to be good. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the last season they started to capture a little bit of the original feel again. But yeah, that second season particularly was such a cliff they fell off from the first season that a lot of people just never bothered getting back into it. So I'm I'm curious if what is, is the theory here that, oh, they're really good at first season. So we'll do a limited run and it'll be amazing. Maybe, or maybe it's just a good time for superheroes right now because, I mean, we've got Arrow, The Flash, you know, Fox's Batman prequel, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There's a lot of superhero on television right now. So maybe they just figure it's a good time to kind of yeah, get back into ride it. ride that train. It is kind of a short period of time to bring back something that controversially ended because people abandoned it, though. Yeah, bring back Firefly. Bring back something people actually want to see back. Yeah, seriously. Right? Like, although, not too happy with Jane recently. What uh, happened with, what, what, what's up with Jane? What's, what's Baldwin, uh, what's his first name? Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin, yeah. Uh, it's been, you know, I, I don't like to get into politics too much on this show because that's not what we're about. I just hadn't about. heard anything about it. Um, but he's, he's been saying some pretty not nice things on Twitter recently. Oh, uh, okay. I'm, I did a new, I did just, if you're curious folks, search Adam Baldwin on Google news and you'll, you'll get it. All right it's, away. it's, it's even, I mean, I may not personally agree with the things he said, but it's more his way that he interacts with people who disagree with him. That's like, whoa, chill the F out. Like, come on. It's not quite Orson Scott card, but it's in have, the same ballpark. Have a discourse at least instead of just immediately attacking anyone who disagrees with you. Um, so yeah, it's if you want to learn more about that, a quick Google search will is your friend. But let's hey, kick off a book. Let's kick off a fantastic book. Um, I'm excited about this one. And funny story about Aldred Carbon. Um, I have two copies of this book. Really? You know where they are? Where? Petaluma. They're on are the they on the sh- on the set? <laughs> yes. Both copies are on the set. At least Why one both? is. I don't know where the other one went. Um, oh. But I was like looking for it and looking for it. I was like, oh, I get to read a paper book for once. I haven't read like a real Dead Tree edition in a long time. I'm excited. And then I was like, oh, wait, so it's on the set. I have a paperback copy of Altered Carbon by Richard K. Morgan that I bought in an airport in 2006. Mine was a hard copy, a hardcover. Oh, wow. And it was sent to me and I still don't know where it is. I, you know what's funny? This is 
one of the things that I think the internet has helped change, but it hadn't even as you know recently as 2006, I bought Altered Carbon, A, because pre-ebook for me. Mm-hmm. I know that Rocketbook and stuff existed, but I didn't have that. And I wanted something to read on the plane, right? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, with smartphones and everything, you don't need anything to read on the plane. But I, I, I wanted that. So I'm in, in the airport bookshop. I'm looking at the sci-fi, which I don't think airport bookshops, for the most part, have much sci-fi anymore. There's a few that might. And I see this Altered Carbon, Richard K. Morgan. I read, oh, okay, this ought to be good. And I read it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, for a pulpy mass market paperback in an airport bookshop, that was pretty nice. And that's how I thought of it. That colored my perception. And so when people started really campaigning for Altered Carbon on Sword and Laser, at first I was like, really? I'm surprised that people are that into this mass market pulpy paperback book. Even on my copy, it says winner of the Philip K. Dick Award, right? So I should have mm-hmm. known. I should have realized. Uh, but I, it's it's funny how the circumstances of your encounter of a book really can color what you think other people will think of it. Right, right, totally. I, and I feel like I've had a similar, I, I feel like I've almost had a similar point of view about it because it was sent to me. And so I assume, <laughs> I assume no one's going to send me anything good. Right, I know, I know what you mean, right? It's not true, but you don't, you know when like everyone's telling you you need it's to read Game of Thrones. Right. You know, oh, when I pick this up, it's it's going to be really good. But when you discover something on your own, sometimes you don't think it of it as as good because you discovered it. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's really funny. Because we hate ourselves. <laughs> because of self-loathing. Exactly. I've been watching True Detective. I've been learning a lot about self-loathing. Oh, my God. I wish we should just make a whole another podcast for True Detective. We should, actually. Oh, my God. Uh, Even the brush would... ending this week. Uh, but, yes, as I mentioned, uh, Altered Carbon won the Philip K. Dick Award for Best Novel in 2003. Mm-hmm. It was published February 28th, 2002. Richard K. Morgan himself uh, studied history at Queens College, Cambridge. After graduating, he taught English to travel the world. He kind of taught English and traveled the world. And after about 14 years and a post at the University of Strathclyde, his first novel was published. And now he's a full-time writer. And he's even branched off into fantasy, epic fantasy. He's got a celebrated gay character now in his new series. He's got another book in that series coming out not too long from now. Uh, But... Altered Carbon was the one that kicked it all off, set 500 years in the future in a universe in which the United Nations Protectorate oversees extrasolar planets settled by human beings, features a protagonist, Takeshi Kovacs, which after reading the book, I realize I'm probably not saying it right. Uh, Kovacs is a former United Nations envoy and a native of Harlan's world. I believe that's an allusion to Harlan Ellison, a planet settled by a Japanese karetsu with Eastern European labor. Yeah, I think it would be uh, Takeshi Takashi Kovacs. Takashi, Takashi. But he's got both the Japanese and the Eastern European in one name. So. Yeah, I'm excited about this. There's all it's you know very dystopian, uh, well, somewhat dystopian rather. Um, but what I like is that it has to do with you know her, human personalities that can be stored digitally and then right. re-downloaded, which is kind of a hot button, interesting topic of late. Um, people are, are really discussing that. And in fact. Um, Oh, never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna wildly veer off topic, <laughs> and that's not gonna not gonna. Go where where are you gonna go? I'm just curious. Well, I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, not who's the problem is I can't remember the author's name, and that's why I'm having a problem. He was are just, people discussing a, a different book and its similarities? There's a, a a nonfiction book that just came uh, out. Um, okay. And it's kind of the, the well because the idea in uh, altered carbon, I'll, I'll tap dance while you think, okay. uh, is that you have sleeves. Bodies are just called sleeves, and your your consciousness is constantly backed up to a remote location. So if you die, 
you're basically restored into a new sleeve with all of your experiences up to the point of that last backup. Yeah. And one of the plot points revolves around a backup not happening at exactly the right time. And so there's a memory gap of what actually happened. It was um, Michio Kaku. Um, ah, okay. He, gotcha. he just came out with uh, his new book, The Future of the Mind. And um, they he talks about that a little bit, about being able, well, more about being able to download information um, and learn something instantly. Yeah. And that was something that I actually talked about on Factor Fictional back in the day when we did our episode on The Matrix. And uh, so this is something that I'm like super interested in uh, to this day. And it's not really, well, it depends on who you talk to. I talked to a, a neuroscientist scientist and Michio Kaku of course is a scientist as well but they, He's a they physicist. Have, yeah they have differing opinions um so I'd love to Michio Kaku is known for allowing a lot of things to be believed based on possibility than many scientists are comfortable with yeah <laughs> he's not a quack or anything but no. he's just liberal with his like you know it's a low possibility but it could happen and it could right. happen this way right like I, I almost like that worldview a little bit better yeah, it's, it's more Sometimes. fun, that's for sure. It's more exciting to talk about. Um, but yeah, this was a, a Philip K. Dick Award for Best Novel Winner in uh, 2003. And yeah. there, there are sequels, uh, Broken Angels and Woken Furies. Um, so this is, a, this is supposed to be a great series. So I'm excited to, to kick it off with the first book. Let's bear our swords. All right, this is our feedback from the audience. Um, and the first post is, did you get to read fantasy in school? This is uh, started by Andrew. He says, rereading Wizard of Earthsea reminded me of reading this in school when I was about 10. The teacher was clearly a fantasy fan. She also read Tolkien with another class. Uh, it introduced me to Le Guin's work and helped reinforce my enthusiasm for fantasy. As a result, this month's reading has filled me with a wave of nostalgia for the days of poster paints, playing tag, and putting crisps in my sandwiches. Mm. <laughs> so in the spirit of that nostalgia, did anyone else get to read fantasy or sci-fi during lessons at school? And if so, what stories did your teachers introduce you to? You know, it's funny. I, when I first read this thread, I thought, no. My English teachers were famously anti-genre. Ooh, okay. even even on our like you know acceptable books to read for book reports, you couldn't read sci-fi and fantasy. I think maybe two thousand one, a space odyssey might have been on one once, but it was all like very like tied down. And then I remembered we did read A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel in my sixth grade science class. Oh, so uh, and that's that. Mr. Moyer was best science teacher ever, and he used that as a way to introduce thinking about space time and physics and, uh, and, and because all those concepts are available in A Wrinkle in Time. So I did get to read science fiction, but in science class, not actually in English class. Um, I, like Dustin in the thread, um, had to read The Giver, um, which was, yeah, um, it's it's. I, I didn't don't remember it as being science fiction or fantasy. Oh, Brave New people are counting Brave New World in nineteen eighty four, and I guess that I guess those yeah I definitely if, those, read Brave if you're New going World. to count those, which you sh- probably should, then mm-hmm. yeah, those, uh, we did read those. You're right. Yeah, and Animal Farm and mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. But I can't really. I don't know. Uh, Dara says she read Fahrenheit four five one um, for a report in the eleventh grade, but that but it sounds like she chose that. Oh, there was a list that she. Chose I feel from. like Fahrenheit four five one. It's all coming back to me now. I feel like that might have been on the list as well because I think I read it in high school. Mm, okay. Um. So yeah, I guess that's. I can't think of anything else that I read. 
I read so much in high school and, and middle school. It's, it's really hard to remember. Um, cause I would, I would get like with those book lists, summer reading lists and I would just read everything and then I would read everything in the grade up. Well, you know, that was the funny thing is I really enjoyed reading. I read a lot mm-hmm. in school in, in, in when I was young, but I would always read the shortest books I, uh, possible for book reports because the list was so restricted that I was like, well, I don't really want to read any of this stuff. So I'm going to read Jonathan Livingston Seagull then because, you know. <laughs> It's 20 pages long or whatever. Well, cool. Well, jump in, jump in that thread and let us know what you guys read when you were a kid in school. Um, sci-fi or fantasy. I think that's a fun, fun topic. I read a lot of Jane Austen, too. Did you? That's adorable. Yeah, I, know. I think we've talked about this You've before. Said, I know you think that's adorable. I read I think a lot of awesome. Babysitter's Club. Nice. A lot of Babysitter's Club. Um, our next post is from Grimnir, who says, uh, are written accents annoying or what? Huh? Does anyone else hate it when authors try to write an accent? I hate it when I have to read and reread someone's speech over and over to try to understand what on earth they are saying or meaning. The one that stands out in my memory most is Chris Bunch and Alan Cole's Sten series. Um, In it, they have a character that's supposed to have a Scottish accent. Half the time, I had no idea what he was supposed to be saying. The rest, I had friends trying to go help me decipher the words. It totally ruined the flow of the book. Uh, Anyone else find this annoying? And can you think of other books or authors guilty of this? I actually side with Sadie and Turkristen both who said it depends on how it's done. It mm-hmm. can be done well, in which case it gets across the accent and you hear that person's voice. But there are also times when it's done really badly. I like Rick's response and prepare to think I'm hilarious when I read it. He says, well, I didn't can. It didn't bother me too much. But if it affects who easily I can read the book and don't say mercy in the trade off is a bad body. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I did and then he's got a translation after a long break. Yeah, I can do it for like two words and then it all falls apart. That's yeah. the extent of my, my accent ability. I do think writing an accent is good, though, when it's done well, when it's not laid on too thick so that you can actually hear that character's voice. That's the nice thing about audiobooks is then you just hear the character's voice because they're reading it to you. Is <laughs> a bad body. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did a kin. I did a kin. I did a kin. I got that. I learned that from two sources. Uh, one was Terry Pratchett's um, Tiffany. Uh, Tiff, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what's her last name? I can't remember. The Tiffany Aching series. Thank mm-hmm. you, Breen. And also um, Gail Carriger's uh, The Parasol Protectorate, the, um, the main male character is Scottish in that book. You know, there's a lot of reasons to like Gail Carriger, mm-hmm. but one of the more recent reasons is that she blurbed for us. She did. She blurbed the anthology, but we'll talk more about the anthology shortly, Tom. Well, that's the next topic, so that was setting you up for this. Oh, thank position. you. I see that now. <laughs> <laughs> we revealed the cover uh, of our anthology over on the blog. Um, I'm very happy with it, and, and about 99% of you are also happy, uh, so I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, and there was a great. there was someone pointed out they're like, wait, one of those guys looks like the the Zoe Archer cover, the Warrior. He Cliff Nielsen must have ripped that guy off. So I wrote Cliff Nielsen to be sure because I was pretty sure this was the case. Cliff's like, yeah, yeah, I I made the Warrior. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did that. No, cover. I made the cover for that book. So, <laughs> so you know. yes, there is a, a similar character on the cover, and I'm yeah. okay with that because I actually I I read that book series as well. So <laughs> it is kind of I it is kind of funny for me. And, and he said, there's other Easter eggs if you're a fan of Cliff Nielsen covers. Mm-hmm. 
when you see this cover, look in the little the little worlds, the little glass balls. He's like, I used I used some other Easter eggs in there of my other covers. He's like, I own the copyright of everything, so don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I love that because it's basically the spirit of Sword and Laser is taking all of these worlds and bringing them together. And so he totally captured that. Yeah, and I I we are about I think we're we're done with the anthology. Um, there may be a, a change here or there, but the front and back cover is done. Yeah. Back cover I done think, by yours truly. I think we're ready to send out prints to the authors and the editors. And then uh, and then once they look at that and go, yay. Give the final thumbs up. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be ready to unleash it on our Kickstarter backers. Kickstarter backers get it first. That's true. And, that then, true. and then after they've all had a chance to get it. Then it, then it goes on sale. Yay! I'm so excited. Oh, oh, gosh, I'm exhausted just thinking about all the work that went into this thing. But we should definitely do it again. It's Maybe. been a year. It has been a year. Because it would be March 15th March that we actually we opened accepting. submissions. Holy crap, you're right. We've been working on it for more than a year now. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, that is that is truly exciting. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess that's the show. Um is there anything else we need to to mention before we go? Um, we've got a lot of great interviews coming up too, by the way, um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, next week, uh, Adam Christopher's interview is going to be posting to the podcast. If you want to check out the Google Hangout of that, you can do so at youtube.com slash the sword and laser. Um, the week after that is a regular episode. On the 25th, we're interviewing Wesley Chu. Um, he's he's you know he's fantastic, and, and he was recommended to us by Mike Cole, um, who's just been sending authors to us left and right, which is fantastic. He's like, yeah. this. you should have this person on. You have this, have this amazing person, person on. This amazing person. And, and this, this amazing- guy's great. And so thank you, Mike. You are fantastic. Um, oh, and blurb-wise, speaking of the, the... Oh, don't forget Brian McClellan. We've got his interview also up at YouTube. You are right. Coming, coming in the uh, podcast feed as well soon. Right. That uh, The Brian McClellan interview goes up on the 25th, and then the Wesley Chu interview goes up on the 8th. <laughs> but it'll be up on YouTube before that. And then we have a few more... Uh, going back and forth on email. So some fun stuff coming up. Um, but by the way, we are part of the Boing Boing uh, network of podcasts, and there's a lot of great stuff, um, all different sorts of podcasts. If you head over to boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts, um, there is, of course, a new You Are Not So Smart podcast about placebo sleep and other new discoveries in placebo research. We have a new Disruptors podcast up, number 64, uh, with the double clicks. I know a lot of you are probably fans uh, of the double, double clicks, clicks out love there. double clicks. Um, didn't they, did they go on the Joko cruise or maybe not? I think got, everyone's just got back from the Joko crazy cruise. Yeah, it was, it was, it was February. I don't think they were on it because they, they just did night attack last week, didn't they? Or was that the week before? I think it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, um, lots of good stuff over there on the Boing Boing podcast family page. So make sure you check that out. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, the email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussion happens over on goodreads.com. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, there was one today. I did not have a chance to listen to it yet. We'll play it next time. The phone number is 4157SWORD6. We'll see you next time. Bye.
This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.